The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. A recurring theme that I see a lot in the world of work, especially among recruiters and talent professionals, is how to attract and keep Gen Z talent. I know some of you are rolling your eyes, but it's a really important topic in the world of hiring. And we're talking all about it on today's show. From LinkedIn News, this is Get Hired, a podcast for the ups and downs and the ever-changing landscape of our professional lives. I'm Andrew Seaman, LinkedIn Senior Managing Editor for Jobs and Career Development, bringing you conversations with experts who, like me, want to see you succeed at work, at home, and everywhere in between. Gen Zers are an interesting bunch. At least we think so. Every generation entering the workforce ends up shaking things up a bit, and older people already established in their careers end up trying to figure them out like a Rubik's Cube. There is good evidence that Gen Z really is different than their predecessors. They're the pandemic generation when it comes to the world of work, after all. To hear a bit more about Gen Z, what they want out of the workforce, I'm once again turning to my LinkedIn News colleague, Gianna Prudenti. She sat down at LinkedIn's Talent Connect Summit with Neil Savadas, a product marketing manager at TikTok and a LinkedIn top voice. He spends a lot of his time consulting with organizations about their Gen Z marketing strategy. He's also the author of Find Gen Z series, which is his newsletter about everything Gen Z. Here is Gianna. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the recording of LinkedIn News' Get Hired podcast live at Talent Connect. Neil, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I want to start with how you made an early career pivot. You shared that a summer internship you had turned into a full-time job. And the specific program that you intended to join got cut because it was during the pandemic. So they were able to find a different role for you and you took it because it was a month or so before graduation. You wanted to graduate with a job. And not too long after starting that role, you realized it wasn't a good fit. What made you come to that realization? I think looking back, probably the biggest mistake I made was not realizing that when you've taken a job, you're vetting them as much as they're vetting you. I think a lot of times when you're a student, you generally are just grateful to have a job, but that can honestly turn into a nightmare pretty fast. So for me, I think I quickly realized early on that the role was not a good fit for me, largely due to the fact that maybe my background didn't actually fit the skill set needed for the role. So for context, I originally interned in proc marketing, which is what I do now as well, and it's great. But at the time, I had accepted a role for a data analyst position and data analyst position required a certain level of skill in SQL and Python to an extent that I didn't necessarily have. I'd taken some classes in college, but I was hoping, you know, maybe there'd be some training or something like that to get me to a level I needed to be at. But I quickly realized day one at the job, I just needed to know this stuff right away. I wasn't really gonna be guided through it. And not every employer is the same way in that way, but I realized in that particular situation, I was in trouble because I either had to decide to either commit myself basically to learning all the stuff on the weekends and in order to be able to do the job half decent or look elsewhere. And so I realized, you know, with my background, it's all in marketing, all my internships and stuff were all in marketing. So I quickly realized that maybe this role wasn't the best fit for you. And it was probably a good time to actually just try to find a new role, even though obviously 
trying to quit your first job out of college after two months or one month or honestly one week. It doesn't look good on the scary. resume and very <laughs> scary and unprecedented because I think the biggest thing, right, when you're in college, you're applying to all these internships. It really is about hopping, right? Because you're not committed to a certain thing. But then when you graduate, it, you kind of have to shift that mindset to like, I'm committing to this for maybe a year or two years, but it is more of a commitment than an internship. Yeah. And I can only imagine how overwhelming it must have felt to start a job and feel like I needed all the skills on day one, especially onboarding in a remote environment. There's not that hands-on mentorship that you receive in the office. Ultimately, you decided I had to find a job that was more fulfilling. So when you actually embarked on that job search, what type of roles were you targeting and what was most important for you when looking at a prospective employer? You have to be really honest with, you know, explaining your situation. I would say I had a very unique situation where I had all this marketing stuff on my background and then all of a sudden I was a data analyst full time, which I think would raise a lot of questions in general. More so when I was going to interview with prospective employers, number one, obviously very hard. I didn't, I knew I wanted to do product marketing, but I was also open to other roles in marketing or frankly anything, because I realized that it's very hard to pitch yourself with three months on your resume to even get to an interview. And then for the interviews themselves, I was super transparent and honest about the situation. Through that experience, I definitely realized the importance of vetting roles. And so definitely realized like you need to vet every job be very intentional with it, like really think through it. When you talk about changing jobs, there's a narrative that Gen Z is a generation of job hoppers. We change jobs frequently, and some may say this is bad practice. It's against company loyalty. But it's like you mentioned before, that's just our nature. We're getting internship experiences. We're taking on these side hustles. We're landing jobs, and we're always trying to figure out what we want to do, and each opportunity is one step closer to that. So how do you think job hopping actually gives Gen Z an edge? Yeah. I think job hopping definitely gets a bad rap, but I think what we all need to really understand is that the world we're living in has changed a lot. And I think that has actually contributed to the way that maybe job hopping has come up. Because I think overall, you know, Gen Z is really not that different from most, I'd say, young people throughout history in the sense that there's always a desire from young people to make change or ruffle some feathers, et cetera, and learn as you go. But I think what is different now, but this environment is more the macro environment. You can go on LinkedIn, you can go anywhere and supply to a, a ton of jobs, but at the same time, it's super, super competitive. And then once you get that job, you know, you watch everyone get laid off instantly, employment at will. And it's very hard to push around this idea of like loyalty. How can I be loyal to something that could let me go at any point? It feels one-sided. Yeah. And then also the larger macro environment of like, in this age of technology, a lot of people, when you come to talking about side hustles, for example, Side hustles, honestly, in my opinion, are kind of more like just hobbies, just opportunities that are given by the environment. So when people are like, you know, having side hustles, starting a job, creating content, et cetera, it's a larger environment where the way that you advance your career is no longer tied to just your employer. Like before, all you ha really could do to build any kind of personal brand was through your employer, you know, working your way up, getting a bigger title, et cetera. But now with social media, with more access to different jobs, it's so much easier to build your personal brand because this idea of loyalty, I think on both sides is less and less important in this day and age. We'll be right back with Gianna Prudenti and Neil Savadas. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days. 
all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Lars Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. And we're back. My LinkedIn News colleague, Gianna Prudenti, is talking with Gen Zer and Gen Z expert, Neil Savadas. I want to talk more about side hustles. I remember when we previously talked, you said having a side hustle also helped you make that transition early in your career. I think right now with Gen Z having side hustles, we're a generation that's embraced that very openly. Employers need to embrace that too and welcome those side hustles rather than be like that passion project or that other way you're making money. You can't entertain that if you want to work here. What do you think employers should view side hustles as? How do they welcome them? So I think it actually does go both ways on this. Side hustles can be okay, but it's not necessarily about the fact that like you have a side hustle and whether it affects your ability to be a successful employee. But more so, I think when you join a company, you need to earn some level of respect in order for your boss to really advocate for you. I think that is part of it. But as I kind of mentioned before, it's really about the day and age we live in, where there's so many ways to make money in this kind of new world. And in the same way, we have hobbies outside of our regular nine to five. We're not just a singular being anymore of like my whole self-worth is tied to my company. I think employers need to recognize that we're in a changing world where we're not siloed, where we're multi-hyphenate, basically. Yes, yes. And I think the biggest takeaway is that Gen Z doesn't want to be defined by just one professional identity and, and really embracing yeah. those side hustles just helps us build our portfolio, our brands, and all of that. And I think when we talk about expectations of Gen Z, there's a lot of misconceptions about what we want out of work. And there's narratives that grow around quiet quitting or the lazy girl job or Gen Z lacking etiquette. And I want to focus on that last piece of Gen Z lacking office etiquette. We onboarded remotely. We maybe went through virtual classes. So we've had a lot of remote experience. So now having to navigate office life for the first time, this is uncharted territory. How do you think employers need to shift the mindset around Gen Z lacking office etiquette? Is it just providing that on the job training like you mentioned earlier? Yeah, I think when it comes to this office office etiquette or maybe you could say the proper unspoken ways of doing a job, right? When you look at like the larger macro environment that Gen Z is entering the workforce in, there's a lot of uncertainty. Number one, with COVID, with this economy not necessarily in the best shape right now, it's very tough to find a job or find a job that fits exactly you know what you're looking for. And in this day and age where it's more competitive than ever, the requirements that people are asked to do is kind of absurd. Like there's entry level jobs that people will share on LinkedIn asking for five years of experience. And it's very hard for a college student to have that kind of level of background. When it comes to office etiquette, I think a lot of it just comes from a lack of uncertainty and I definitely agree that employers can be more supportive of that. There's also a level of understanding they need as well of the world that we're living in. 
And we've talked a lot about what it takes to attract Gen Z talent and what's important to us when assessing an employer. But I want to talk a bit about retaining Gen Z talent. For you personally, what's important for you to feel like you can grow your career at a company? For me personally, in my two jobs I've had or internships and stuff, I definitely recognize I want an environment where, number one, I prefer less structure in some ways. Like I like a lot of ownership where I can kind of take things and run it my own way versus someone else may really like the structure of having set promotion expectations, et cetera, and working a job where, you know, maybe there's clear cut goals. So for me personally, I really like environment of autonomy. I also, I think, like an environment where my manager trusts that I'm able to, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and not micromanaging. I think I would not necessarily do well in an environment where people are micromanaging me. And so I, those are two of the core things that for me personally work great for my environment, but it could definitely vary depending on the person. And that trust piece is also important when you think about creating a work model to support uh, Gen Z. Right now, a lot of employers are calling people back to the office. So when you think about creating a hybrid model, what's important to get right with Gen Z in mind? That's a good point, because I think a lot of people are really concerned or overwhelmed by some of the return office policies. I think returning to office will help Gen Z really kind of get that traditional office experience because even when it's hybrid two or three days a week, there's times where people don't overlap and the schedules aren't necessarily the same. So I think there is some, still some difficulty there. But I think the most important thing is given that that's all we know, even when we first join onboarding remotely, we are used to this level of flexibility. It's important to have a flexible approach when you're calling people back to the office, being able to make exceptions, being able to understand even down to certain teams, like a team by team basis of like how people conduct business and do their jobs and maybe how that varies versus a remote in-person experience. So you have to, I think, better explain why and be very transparent about why things are the way they are. Because if you don't, I think Gen Z is really going to step up and push back on that because they just grew up in a time where they not just are skeptical, but also have the power with technology even to fight back against any kind of confusion. Yes, we're definitely a curious generation. We will ask questions. So being transparent and upfront is really important and also seeking feedback. So getting input from your employee, how is this working? How often do you expect yourself to come in and, and framing that model around that feedback? We're getting to the end of our conversation. So I want to end with some advice to talent leaders who are listening in. I'm sure it's completely overwhelming to feel like Gen Z wants it all out of work. How do I even begin to approach a strategy around hiring Gen Z and everyone wants something a little bit different. So what's your advice to talent leaders on working with Gen Z? And by that, I mean building relationships based on common ground. Yeah, absolutely. So I think with the broader like understanding of who Gen Z is being a very defined generation, I think it's really important that talent leaders and employers everywhere really think about number one, the larger macro environment and how that's affected things in the sense that their employees of the past live pretty much in a different world than the way it was before. It's very underrated, this idea that Gen Z are digital natives. We grew up in a time where we don't remember social media, search engines, smartphones, and even AI to an extent. And understanding how to live in that world, I think can be quite overwhelming. And I think the best way talent leaders can understand how to adjust this new generation is by talking to them. I think a lot of times, there's these surveys out there about like Gen Z wants this, Gen Z wants that. But the truth is 
most companies nowadays have some level of Gen Z employees in their network. And I think it'd be really great to do like roundtables mm -hmm. within your own organization to understand, hey, we want to hire more Gen Z, but we want to also bring an environment that's better and hear feedback because Gen Z actually is a different generation than I would say most when it comes to like protecting the workforce. I think that's really the main thing. Don't talk about us, just talk to us. Yes. That's probably the, the biggest thing that you can do. Seek our feedback. We're more than happy to give our input. I love that piece. It's a great thing to end on. Neil, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy we were able to have this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was my colleague, Gianna Prudenti, interviewing Neil Savadas, who is the author of Fine Gen Z series. Remember, it's up to you to put our advice into practice. Still, you always have a community backing you up and cheering you on. Connect with me and the Get Hired community on LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Also, if you liked this episode, please take a moment to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps people like you find the show. And don't forget to click that follow, subscribe, or whatever other button you find to get our podcast delivered to you every Wednesday. Because we'll be continuing these conversations on the next episode, right here, wherever you like to listen. Get Hired is a production of LinkedIn News. This episode was produced by Alexis Ramdow. Rafa Fria is our associate producer. Asaf Gidron engineered our show. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Dave Pond is head of news production. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Courtney Coop is the head of original programming for LinkedIn. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Andrew Seaman. Until next time, stay well and best of luck. <laughs>